makes the catch, and he's gonna walk into the end zone for a touchdown. Thrown up in the air, and it's intercepted by Jordan Lewis. Great play on the ball. Looks to his right and connects. Leeching for the end zone. Touchdown, Michigan. Every experience is a learning experience, including LSD. There's no such thing as a flashback, Danny. You need to get a job so that you can curb this free-form anxiety of yours. WCBN FM Ann Alba. It's free-form. 88.3 on your toaster. Hi, this is Christine Balfour from Balfour Toujours. I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us and WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Well, uh, good evening. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And obviously, uh, last week I mentioned that there had been a verdict, but they had not announced it yet. I think it was, uh, we'll give the (laughs) Um, DA, Robert McCullough, Brain Damage Award for even announcing something like that at night. That just (laughs) made things worse. Stoking the uh, tensions. Yeah, I might have announced that like four in the afternoon. You know, let this kids get home there that was the justification mm-hmm. for why it was announced at night but nine o'clock no so we'll give him a brain damage award and obviously you know this case was a stinker from the beginning <laughs> all the way around um i was in new york when this story broke and of course the media in new york at the time was uh very interested in the chokehold death of uh i want to say his name was michael garner but uh, while that case is still being sort of sorted out factually, the police are on administrative leave. Mayor de Blasio has been very cautious about statements the way Barack Obama has. Um, what was disturbing about the chokehold case, and I, you know, the police basically, there's disputes about whether there really was a chokehold this guy apparently had some health problems and he was the size of an nfl lineman they said he was an enormous human being problem that i had in that case was i didn't understand why the police were investigating a guy that was selling loose cigarettes (laughs) talk about uh i mean small crime (laughs) i mean 
This guy was kind of known to be a kind petty. of a... It brings a new meaning to the word petty. Yeah. He, he was kind of a mentally ill, marginal person. He couldn't have been making more than a dime or a quarter per cigarette. And they were re- allegedly responding to a uh, complaint... That's called the nosy neighbor that needs to get a life, I would say. Um, so the the whole the whole case in New York City, which occurred in July, was just weird to me. But what was not weird was how the police reacted. They began leaking as much information as they could to the media, trying to defend the officers. And the problem in these cases is that the police are just not indicted or convicted. When they have their uniforms on, that's the key, because their their defense in in court is always going to be, I felt endangered, and that's what uh, Wilson's defense ultimately became. Um, I think that Wilson could have avoided the shooting by not chasing this guy down. I think that clearly there was a scuffle, and. And Michael Brown, or, you know, and how many shots? I mean, do you are you threatened? Do you need to uh, incapacitate the individual? You know, six shots. Yeah. Well, the thing was, was and I and I, I how hi- scared are you? I highly recommend the uh, Wednesday edition of the New York Times because they have a kind of an aerial um, shot of the crime scene, and the crime scene to me was always a little confusing. You know, the hands up in the air debate. Uh, that can't be ascertained. People put their hands up in the air like when they're confused. There are many gestures. I'm asking WTF, a you know. There's uh, the victory signal. There's yep. the touchdown signal. <laughs> uh, there's even praying, by the way. Indeed. Uh, you know, people in, in leading church, Leading a prayer, right? A pastor will often, often put his arms up. Often you see evangelicals yeah. with their hands yeah. up in the air. and then Reaching there's... towards Jesus. <laughs> Speaking, speaking in tongues, please speak some, some more in the tongues. I want the spirit of Jesus to enter me. Yeah. And, of course, there's this kind of mythical Hollywood hands up in the air. The gangster movies and the westerns. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're advised when you uh, get arrested in your automobile. Keep if, your hands where they can be seen. Where they can be seen. Don't be fumbling around with something in the glove compartment at the wrong moment. Uh, if you're getting pulled over for a traffic violation, it's a civil infraction. You might get a ticket. You might not. Depends what you were doing. Um, obviously. Um, but I must say that this it's this uh, gun culture that we're soaking in that puts the officers in a position and you know cops have pretty clear positions on gun control they'd like more of it yeah their job is dangerous you know there are other dangerous jobs teachings you know a a dangerous job too uh but it's this climate of fear uh who's packing too many packing too many guns too too much fear and then of course that's why the police in in a in a quote controlling the crowd situation are wearing this absurd riot gear. Yeah. Uh, some of these are bulletproof vests because there there are so many random shootings in America. I mentioned last week uh, about this uh, study about worldwide terrorism that showed that there were 10,000 attacks globally, 18,000 deaths. 
That's about what the homicide number is in the United States mm -hmm. of America, just to put that in perspective. And, of course, the uh, terrorist attacks, as, as this study pointed out, were mainly perpetrated in five countries. But the point is is that this gives you a, an idea of the siege mentality that's going on in America, and it really needs to end. So I wanted to give out a quick brain damage award to the uh, the Republicans in the Michigan State Legislature. I found out today that as part of their lame duck session of the, Mich of the Michigan State Legislature, rather than work on fixing the roads, they've decided that BB guns, <laughs> this is coming a week after a 12-year-old kid gets shot by the police in Cleveland mm -hmm. because of the fact that he had a gun that wasn't real, but it looked like a real gun, and the police officer either didn't know it or never heard the call. Of course, the Cleveland police immediately play, played the concerned citizen who called in, and his English was a little uh, marginal. Uh, didn't strike me as a terribly well-educated person, but he did mention in, in his sort of panic that he thought the gun was fake but that this kid was aiming at people on a playground. So the panic mode is what this is all about. And the police officer could have avoided this shooting uh, by just letting him go. But, of course, then it comes into the issue of the strong-armed robbery of the convenience store and whatnot. But anyway, getting back to the Wednesday edition of the New York Times, you can probably find that on the web. There's an aerial shot that shows the crime scene that illustrates what really happened. Because I was always kind of confused about what really happened. I think that the issue of whether or not he had his hands up is still a matter of debate. Some witnesses say that he did, some don't. Um, eyewitness testimony, by the way, in courts are incredibly unreliable. Uh, it's interesting, and I saved this as part of my interest in the Alger, his case, because the, the, this case, this uh, Ferguson case, is the intermingling of a legal case, a political situation, and a history. Mm -hmm. And these riots that occurred, obviously, in Ferguson are small potatoes compared to what happened in Detroit. Forty-three people died in Detroit. Two city blocks were absolutely torched. Um, and the city was scarred. And Lyndon Johnson yeah. had to call out the National Guard, yeah. the Federal <laughs> National Guard. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the rioting here was unfortunate, but it was obviously perpetrated by self-interested parties that I don't think have much to do with the Civil Rights Movement. But we saw during the 1960s how... Agent provocateurs can be planted by the police in these sorts of situations. Oh, we've seen it right here in town at uh, the legendary KKK rally. Yeah. Where the dude moseys along, oh, just happened to be wearing a Confederate thing on my back. No. And Nixon, <laughs> just to turn to him for a second, rewarded a construction worker in mm -hmm. New York City, a guy by the name of Brennan, who had beat up a Vietnam War protester, and after Nixon got reelected, he named him to some sinecure, um, you know, some post where he got paid 
some extra money. Well, there's a couple of memos about getting construction workers to beat up long hairs. Yeah, being on a commission. Don't call me Joe. Yeah. (laughs) Which uh, might lead us to the uh, Gore Vidal. E. Howard Hunt, master forger of state papers. But we won't go there at the moment. But obviously, America has an, a, an entirely unacceptable history of uh, judicial um, outrage. Um, guilty people are sometimes acquitted. Innocent people are convicted with questionable eyewitness testimony, by the way. And I, I recently heard a study... The uh, the New Jersey uh, Supreme Court, this is an interesting article from July 20th, 2012. It said, almost a year after the New Jersey Supreme, and it's by Benjamin Weiser, almost a year after the New Jersey Supreme Court issued a sweeping ruling aimed at resolving the, quote, troubling lack of reliability in eyewitness identifications, it issued instructions on Thursday for judges to give jurors um, to help them better evaluate such evidence in criminal cases. And, of course, this was a grand jury, not a criminal case. The prosecutor mis, uh, abused his power, I would say. Uh, you know, quite quite fairly, he did not, you know, he, he kind of threw this out to the public like, oh, shucks, I'm just presenting the facts. You know, Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, yeah. Well, the facts obviously are still under dispute. And, of course, this helped Officer Wilson because it raised doubt. And there clearly was conflicting testimony in the case. But some of it kind of irrelevant to the bigger issues involving the United States and, and what's going on here. Uh, even assuming that there was a strong-armed robbery of a convenience store involving cigars or something. I think that was the yeah. product in question. There was clearly a scuffle at the police car. That seems to be beyond dispute. And this is how Michael Brown got these two shots f- from, quote, six to nine inches, as the forensic pathologist put it, that initiated the whole Incident and well, how it escalated. escalated it, yeah. right. And let's remember that Michael Brown died about 50 yards from the police car. That's half the length of a football field. So there was a substantial amount of time for this police officer to make a different decision. He didn't make that decision for whatever reason. And his testimony that he was dealing with Hulk Hogan throwing around a five-year-old strikes me as somewhat bizarre because it turns out uh, Mr. Wilson is 6'4 and weighs 210. He's probably a pretty good athlete. Now, <laughs> Michael Brown was 6'4 and weighed 280 or 290, and trying to physically get into fisticuffs with a police officer in a squad car doesn't strike me as a terribly good career move, regardless of any of the facts. Right. But unfortunately, the facts are going to get lost in the politics at this point. 
and this is going to get distorted for political purposes uh, by both sides, unfortunately, into the future. But I think that there are some serious reform questions that do need to be addressed regarding the militarization of the police, how they respond to these minor issues. I have been troubled by what I've seen over the years, even with the Ann Arbor police. And let's remember and remind listeners that we had a shooting here in Ann Arbor. Oh, not that long ago. What, a couple of weeks? A couple of weeks ago, yeah. a domestic violence uh, complaint dispute. Uh, the woman had a knife. She was shot dead. <laughs> um, uh, and, of course, the police are going to defend the use of their firearms in these kinds of cases and say, well, we, we, we're not, it's not like Hollywood, man. We can't shoot, shoot the knife out of your hand. We're not that good with the gun. We're trained to shoot towards the center of the body. And yeah, that, those are the facts. Well, those are the facts, uh, but these are some of the things that need to be, you know, reconsidered here. Yes. If someone's wielding a knife, clearly they're uh, a threat to anybody within arm's reach. Right. Beyond that, there's no real danger unless, of course, they hurl the knife. So largely this whole debate is a question about disproportionate amounts of lethal force. Yeah. What's the right amount per situation, obviously, to make these, you know— Deliberations on the fly, under stress, under watchful eyes, uh, knowing you're being photographed on cell phone cameras, et cetera, et cetera, makes it all very difficult to do so. But I don't see why the good old-fashioned Dirty Harry shot in the knee is not the preferred uh, police approach uh, instead of shooting in the vital region torso area. Okay, so this person has a knife. That's a weapon. They have a gun. I can understand, you know, shoot to kill. Because they are in the position to do the same. Right. Uh, but if it's an unarmed person, if it's somebody who doesn't have a firearm, you don't need to shoot to kill. You need to disable or to, you know, overpower so that you can take uh, the situation into control. Um, or what, whatever happened to the old Western, you know, dance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Blondie um, needs to go on to... <laughs> That's a reference to Clint Eastwood and the Good, the Bad, right, and the Ugly. Right. Maybe Blondie needs to go out and start training some police forces <laughs> to teach uh, some of these uh, guys to dance. Of course, right. but this is part of the problem, the Hollywoodization of uh, well, our the, imaginations the culture, in these situations. Yeah, so. exactly. Guns, whenever a gun shows up in a movie, it's going to be used. Uh, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Uh, but it's, you know, there are a couple of factors here when you mention history and politics. Uh, the very clear uh, history of disproportionate uh, arrest rates, execution rates and so forth that, that black men face yeah. uh, is undeniable. You know, the numbers are pretty clear. 21 times. Available. Yeah, exactly. So, And that, that can't just be swept under the rug precisely. in, so in that's sort of highlighting of rioting. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other cultural history, political part of this is this bizarre, you know, uh, idolization of the Second Amendment and its, you know, purported uh, uh, allowance for turning your home into some sort of uh, militia or munitions depot. Uh, there's um, an old TV ad, since we're coming into the Christmas season and the gift-giving shopping season, um, there's an old TV ad from the early 60s with, believe it or not, a very young Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. uh, and he and another eight-year-old boy are behind a bush. It's an old black-and-white, you know, TV toy ad, and they're cocking a, they got a toy gun, 
and bang, it makes a real noise and it's got real sound effects. And then you see some cops or actors, you know, depicting cops in this ad on a motorcycle. And, whoa, did you hear that? And they sneak up on these kids behind the bush with their guns drawn. Right. And this is 1960. Yeah, and it was probably a cap gun. I don't it's know a cap gun. They used to have a remember. big, loud yeah, report, like a, a little, snap. Yeah. Like a, almost like a mini firecracker. Yes, yeah. a real loud report. And so the cops are go from instantly to, oh, wow, that's a really cool toy. And so they're looking at the kid's sure. toy going, boy, that looks really real. And it sounds real, too, officer. Wow, that's really cool. Get your kid one of these. You know, that's our culture. That's our culture. And that's what's so troubling about this bill that this moron whose name escapes me, but uh, he deserves to be in the hall of shame. Uh, for introducing a BB gun, BB gun legislation it, for, to help juveniles. Apparently, the Michigan law does not allow people under 18 to have a BB gun unless they're in the uh, presence of an adult, sort of like a PG movie. Okay, so BB guns are are actually regulated by the state of Michigan. The NRA has decided that this is an onerous regulation. And has intervened to get this rammed because through. Children have the right to bear arms too. <laughs> Air guns. Soon the fetus will have a weapon. Indeed, and this is this is uh, problematic in in many ways. And I, I think I'll that abort it's you, mom. Just particularly bizarre, given the fact that we just had a twelve-year-old kid in Cleveland uh, shot to over death over a toy gun. Over a toy gun. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's not the first time that's happened. No, not not the first time it's happened. And in fact, I, I read I, and I forgot to bring this in. But in Oklahoma, over the past week, a three year old killed her mother. Loaded gun on the coffee table. Uh, OK, I, I don't get it. <laughs> this was a three year old child who doesn't even know. Doesn't know. No. Uh, shot her mother to death. That happened in Oklahoma. And I'm sure they have a stand-your-ground law. That's one of our most uh, GOP-oriented mm. states politically. And, of course, there's been a prolifer prolifer proliferation of those laws. Stand-your-ground, and this gets back to the Trayvon Martin case. Um, George Zimmerman from Florida, just to remind listeners... There's been a, a, an explosion of these kinds of laws since the Tea Party took over the yeah. Republican Party. Well, it's the white man's fear trumping the person of color's right to simply walk down the street. And, it, you know, if America's got uh, 13,000 roughly homicides per year from guns, and globally there are about 18,000 people dying from terrorism attacks, and I'm not excusing or diminishing these terrorist attacks. These things are horrific. Uh, mainly civilians get killed. I mean, there was a there was an attack in Nigeria over the weekend at a mosque, hmm. killing uh, somewhere between 35 and 100 people. This stuff is disgusting. But, um, you know, th this case, and of course we have, you know, it won't go away. We have... Uh, five members of the Los Angeles Rams football team while being introduced, coming out with their hands up. Then the St. Louis Police Association requests that the NFL discipline these guys. And I'm, for, I'm like... For exercising free speech. 
I'm like, they're making a point. Right. I doubt you might not agree with it. Yeah. Or sympathize with their gesture, but they have that right. Well, they have the right, and the thing is, is that this is now a movement. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any problems with the movement. I just don't know that Michael Brown is going to become the poster boy of this movement because I do think that the facts uh, don't support. Um, he made some grievous errors as well. He made grievous errors as well, but I think that the bigger questions that our society has to start answering are connected to the militarization of the police um, and the use of firearms uh, while uh, on duty and in some cases off duty. Uh, these, these incidents happen all the time. Uh, strange laws like allowing churches, allowing people to carry guns into churches in Georgia. I mean, some of this stuff is so twisted. Yeah. It's almost hard to comprehend. Well, this, my mother told me an incident up, up in the north of Michigan where, of course, lots of people have guns. Sure. Uh, that's, you know, a lot of hunting, fishing, and so forth up there. Uh, there's a privately owned ferry taking people out to an island, and the owners of the ferry line um, prohibit guns. Now, a gentleman who wants to go on this ferry boat uh, has a permit for a uh, you know, Michigan state government uh, permit for a concealed weapon. Uh, but because this ferry is privately owned, he's not. That's their policy. He's not allowed to take it on there, and he's all in a. But I need my gun to keep me safe, and everybody else on the ferry ride is like, "From what? A perch? <laughs> From what? A lake perch? We're going out to this <laughs> island in the middle of Lake Michigan. Right? There's nothing there that's gonna. What, dude? How scared are you? <laughs> Protect you from what? A fish. A fish. A, a, <clears throat> Unbelievable uh, terror uh, and just... Uh, a flying bird. Cowardice. And, of course, uh, yeah, this, this gun culture is uh, equally troubling. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that I'm somewhat skeptical of, quote, conversations. This is the new uh, anecdote for what happened in Ferguson. It opens up conversations. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that Barack Obama today had a summit in Washington. He's on top of the issue, as usual. He's not a big fan of guns. He implored the public to do something following the shooting at Newton Elementary School in which 20 children, ages 6 to 7, and basically 8 teachers were mm -hmm. shot to death. By Just before Christmas break. A mentally ill person who was encouraged to become adept at a gun by his own mother, who also died in the tragedy. And, of course, these tragedies just continue day after day after day. And I don't quite understand why reasonable gun control um, is not the way we're moving, but we're moving in the other direction. It's well, stunning. It's that's staggering. The gun, gun manufacturers lobby. Uh, the NRA is not a gun owners lobby so much as it is a manufacturers lobby. Well, and it's distorted the history of of the entire Second Amendment, as has been pointed out by reputable historians. Um, people did not what well regulated militia. That's well, the phrase that deserves a little attention. That's the phrase that deserves attention. But as other historians have pointed out. 
not a lot of people actually owned guns in colonial times because they were very unreliable products. If you didn't know what you were doing, you sometimes killed yourself. It goes off in your face, yeah. Loading the gunpowder. <laughs> you know? And you could only get one shot off every... <laughs> I guess a really skilled frontiersman might have been able to load his musket in about 90 seconds, but... Dennis Moore, perhaps. <laughs> I happen to know this is the Lupin Express. <laughs> Blondie probably had a, a unique gun. <laughs> he, his, his guns always seem to have more than six shots somehow. <laughs> a golden-haired angel watches over him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> as much as we love the good, the bad, and the ugly, both Jim and I are big fans of that movie uh, for its uh, humor. And it's not violent. It's it's humorous. But the Hollywood image of the gun, and of course, let's remember that it was Clint Eastwood that made Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one? Full Impact? He had yeah. two two of those kind of police... Magnum Force. The Magnum series Force, of Magnum Force yeah. Magnum Force is one. Full Impact, I think, I think it was Magnum another. Magnum Force might be the one about the corrupt cops, the uh, the killer who's yeah. on the, the California Highway Patrol, who's the killer. Yeah, well, and Dirty Harry was definitely about corrupt cops, and yeah. that's <laughs> corrupt cops. Yeah, that's not new. <laughs> we also have dumb cops in some cases. Speaking of films, we're just about to go out uh, for the night. Thanks to Andrew, by the way, for engineering. I'm not sure if you had a chance to mention anything about the passing of Mike Nichols. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, on the show last Briefly. week. Uh, but uh, Mars and I just rewatched Catch-22 last night. And although that film was poorly understood on its initial release and sometimes is considered to be a flawed film, it deserves your attention. Uh, the novel is great. Mike Nichols deserves uh, credit for a bunch of films. But Catch-22 is a, is a really overlooked film in his body of work. Underrated. Uh, Milo Minderbinder is running the show today. <laughs> That's the Bush Cheney uh, approach to uh, military spending. Indeed. Well, we're out of time here on Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor with Weston. It was an Englishman, the Earl of Sandwich, who invented the portable meal of two slices of bread put together with a rich, flavorful filling. But we Americans popularized the handy sandwich. And today, more Americans are carrying sandwiches than ever before in history. The fillings for good sandwiches are quite a problem these days. So I want to tell you how to make the ration points you spend for fillings do double duty. Use WCBN cheese spreads. With these cheese treats, you spread in rich, moist goodness and tantalizing flavor at one and the same time. Take, for example, the four WCBN creamy kinds, pimento and olive pimento spreads, the zestful roca, and WCBN relish spread with the chopped pickles all through it. These rich-tasting, flavorful spreads take just two ration points a glass, and any one is all the filling you need for a swell sandwich. Look for them at the food store tomorrow. You better stock up both for lunchbox sandwiches and the wonderful holiday snacks you make in a hurry with WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. The time is now 7.01, and this is Yazoo City Calling, your weekly broadcast dedicated to the down-home blues music from the American continent, broadcasting to you live every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.3 FM. My name is Weston, and I'm your host, and I co-host this program with Jerry Mack, who started this program over 25 years ago, back in 1988. 
If you'd like to call and make a request, 734-763-3500 is the phone number. Today we're going to start our show off with some recordings from Blues Antiquity, starting with Jim Reese Europe's 369th U.S. Infantry Hellfighters Band doing the original 